This is the Mornington Peninsula Regional Galleries Conversation Series, Episode 18. We are talking to 2018 National Works on Paper finalist, Danica Chappell. Hello and welcome to the Mornington Peninsula Regional Galleries Conversation Series, a podcast for people curious about art and the lives of artists. In this episode, Senior Curator Danny Lacey talks to Melbourne-based artist Danica Chappell. Danica explores the malleability of analogue photography to create unique abstract works. Hear about the process and challenges behind the work she makes and her defining research at the Bauhaus Museum after receiving a Jim Marks postgraduate scholarship. Thanks for joining us today, Danica. Thanks, Danny. First of all, I'd love to ask you, did you have a creative childhood? Not that I can remember overly, but I always did well in like the art and creative subjects at school. My mum was always at a sewing machine and there was always fabric being laid out and patterns being cut and clothes being made. So I was sort of around like this tactile environment and my dad made the odd piece of furniture that would just appear but not I don't remember it being surrounded by you know a lot of art and you know art history or anything like that. So How did you then, I guess, realise that there was a future in becoming an artist or transition into that sort of creative future? Yeah, I guess the becoming an artist came much later, but I didn't do so well in the maths and sciences. So (laughs) I tended to sort of hover around. We had a dark room at one of the high schools that I went to and, you know, I kind of fell into the creative arts. So I guess I was sort of always around that through high school in the later years anyways so I do remember doing really quite well in art geography (laughs) and one art subject you know early on so Mm. now you studied at the Victorian College of the Arts what were some of your influences when you were starting out and how did you become interested in making photographic images without a camera again without the camera to focus that on my current practice that did come much later but initially like I started art school much later than most, mainly due to my early 20s I was travelling. But I do remember convincing my mum to come up to the RMIT open day when I was like 18 and a school leaver. And I remember looking around going, oh, this is really exciting, but they've all got something to say and I didn't really have anything to say or I didn't think that I had anything to say, so I knew that it wasn't the right time at that point. So 10 years later I went to VCA and I had a lot of passion but very little knowledge or what I thought was very little knowledge in art history and conceptual knowledge. And so I kind of soaked all of that stuff up like a sponge and just evolved my passion for photography. I went through the Department of Photography and, you know, there was a broad scope of academics teaching us. But as well as that, like the enhancing that, I had a rotating technician team So like Siri Hayes, Sanya, Paul Knight. Also the conversation around the dark room and waiting for tests to come out of the printer kind of fed into that passion and the learning. So the photography department is a long corridor. At one end is the digital lab and at the other end are the dark rooms. And I kind of, I was learning both, but I couldn't do both very well. So I had to kind of focus on one or the other at that time. And I was happier in the darkroom. <laughs> <laughs> now, your master's thesis was titled Double Dark, a constructed composition from a darkroom haptic. Can you talk about the research you undertook and the resulting work that came out of this research? 
Sure. Actually, the title is the last thing that (laughs) (laughs) that you come to in the research process. I had a gap of five years between my honours year and my starting of my master's research, and I took that time to further travel. And it was really the time in Rotterdam that I was, I took all of my equipment with me, all of my camera equipment. It was really heavy, but there was really only a handful of images that I remember hanging on to and thinking that were successful. And I just spent that time sort of observing how other people were using materials and processes and working with systems. And and I kind of got back and I realised that, you know, I was ready to put a proposal in for my master's research. And the research proposal was very loosely based around a kind of abstraction of space or perception and questioning that, but without using a camera or without using photography basically. So in the beginning of my research, I started to collect a whole bunch of building offcuts and doing a bit of dumpster diving to pick up like random bits of materials that had an interesting geometry around it that I could sit with other interesting geometries and then somehow have a conversation with that within a space. And ultimately, these were temporary setups or constructions They were stored on a trolley in my studio and I would push them around a bit. And ultimately, I had to sort of record them so that I could go back to seeing what was happening with the light or with the space or with the body within those objects. And ultimately, I decided that I would then record it onto large format or medium format film to make enlargements. So ultimately... I came back to the point of photography and realised that my passion for it had never really left and it resulted in two exhibitions at the midpoint of my MFA called Viewfinder and Sightline which involved both the materials as well as installation as well as photography. So the constructed composition was a temporary conversation that kind of pulsed with each test strip as well. So I brought these materials into the darkroom then and pretty soon the materials and the darkroom kind of superseded the use of the camera and I fell into using, you know, cameraless photography that way. And I guess working within the darkroom, there's a level of intuitiveness that you have to be guided by, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the colour darkroom's a blind space. It's a very active space where all of your senses are kind of heightened except for your sight, so you have to have a bit of a memory for where you've put something or you know where the timer is where the light switch is where your you know knife is for cutting the paper all that sort of stuff so I've got a good visual memory that I build up when I'm working in that space so ultimately the language and ideas that were residing in photography were really based in a darkroom practice And it conflated elements of materials and geometries observed when placing these objects at angles from each other and then sort of stretching the medium of photography in this sort of elastic way. So I found that there was more a use for photography other than just recording and printing an accurate depiction that I could then sort of bring in elements of sculpture and painting to blend light and colour and form. Mm. And while you were studying, you had the amazing opportunity to conduct five weeks of research at the Bauhaus Museum after receiving a Jim Marks postgraduate scholarship. For an artist working with photograms, the Bauhaus and the work of an artist like Laszlo Moholy-Nagy are surely the holy grail. 
What was this experience like? It was amazing in a nutshell. The Jim Marks Postgraduate Scholarship was really sort of the first taster of my connection to the Bauhaus in a research capacity. I've always been drawn to the constructivists and sort of Bauhausian scholars, especially those that rejected standard conventions, which, you know, 100 years ago that kind of was what was happening. I was exposed to Mondrian in the Netherlands, but I always kind of felt that it lacked an active body, whereas Mahoninaj and El Lizitsky, they all kind of had this active body uh, present. And so the undertaking of the summer workshops in Weimar was kind of an opportunity just to immerse myself in a space. There were actually programs that were designed for second year architecture students. So I was a real sort of peg out of shape. I was not fitting to the language that was being bantered around, but it was absolutely a fantastic experience to be exposed to things like the body and measurement and Schlemmer's work in that area and the performance aspect. And the two workshops that I actually did was understanding space and private sphere. One was the body within the landscape and then the other was designing essentially a sphere for the body and how much space does the body need. So it really, going back to my initial proposal for the Masters, it was trying to give me a sense of something that wasn't photography that I could then explore in a physical sense. After doing that and post-MFA, I had further assistance from the Australia Council and I was able to go back a couple of years ago and extensively sit in the Bauhaus archive in Berlin and look at these artefacts of Mahoninage and, you know, all of these wonderful works and writings that have come from that era and in the archive. And it was a wonderful experience that I've still draw on today in developing the direction of my work. Yeah, well, to have those types of opportunities where you're able to go over and see firsthand that material is pretty phenomenal, really. Yeah, it's much better than the edited glossy magazine version of it, that's for sure. And the one thing that I then could view was the scale at which some of these photograms were made and the tiny details, but then to talk to conservators and the archivists that are looking after these work and their knowledge. Sabine Hartman has this amazing knowledge of photography and how it was used in uh, the Bauhaus which is not like Maholi Naj didn't actually teach photography so he was using photography in this way he was actually the metalwork tutor yeah meister. Mm -hmm. Now I know you've talked a little bit about the process behind your work but can you talk a little bit more broadly about the process behind your work? Sure so since completing my master's I've been looking at various processes I had to then figure out a way. I had firmly made analogue and cameraless photography part of my language and part of my practice and I had to try and figure out how I was going to keep that going. But uh, I then sort of looked at the peripheral regions of historical processes and started to learn things like wet plate, collodion, daguerreotype and then colour carbon. So adding these processes into my language of how then I sort of use materials and work with light sensitive substrates. Yeah well I guess one of the challenges for photography over the last number of years is 
that analog photography has changed quite a lot and the, I guess, introduction of digital photography has really been a bit of a wave taking over that medium to a certain degree, even in terms of the actual chemicals and the paper. Yeah, I mean, things like cibachrome, it's rare to find that process these days. And, I mean, it's the greatest medium of reinvention, really. It's always gone through a process of being superseded by the next invention for it. And I have really enjoyed sort of fitting within those gaps where something sort of recedes when something else takes over and stretching out those peripheries of process and then skipping back through history to be able to, I guess, activate those processes again in a way that questions perception and questions what we're looking at. I mean, it's still a recording. It's still a record of light a depiction of something and a trace. However, what has left its mark or what is left behind in that trace, I'm pushing and pulling around, whether it's a positive or a negative or an offcut from something that's had its positive removed. It's constantly just cycling around this positive and negative space. So now your work, which is a finalist in the National Works on Paper exhibition, is called Shallow Shadow Number One and Number Two. Can you describe these works and talk about the ideas behind the work? Yes, absolutely. The series Shallow Shadow uses a colour carbon process. This was a process devised in the late 1860s and it's actually a 21-step process from raw materials that aren't readily available. So it's a long process to make each step to get the final image, which is using a digital negative that has been separated into CMYK and then from that you make CMYK tissues that you then sensitize and the tissues that's a the known term for it is actually bone gelatin that's been pigmented with CMYK. So it's quite smelly in the making and it's quite a laborious process of construction itself but completely fascinating. The actual photographic element to it is quite minimal it's a dichromate sensitizing so there's no silver embedded in this process it feels a lot like a printing out process or more of a painting process where I can add the layers so it's definitely something that I've kind of started you know a new process that I've taken on board to start expanding how I can think with it and these particular works shallow shadow number one and number two are scanned 8 by 10 E6 transparencies. So the darkroom haptic action, which, you know, I've kind of been working with for a while, has been made onto the transparencies and processed, and then I've scanned them to then print them out in these CMYK-separated tissues. So it's really long and convoluted, but it's kind of a lovely way of bringing the digital and analogue processes together, actually. So when we're talking about obsolescence, this is one that really sort of melds them back together again. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the challenges in making this type of work? Well, these are quite small, but the endurance for making the actual process behind the small works is still quite extensive, finding a location to be able to do that and the knowledge. So I've undertaken a workshop with Ali Young and she's taught me the process and worked with me on this series. But across my entire practice, it's there's a physicalness, weight 
materials, things that are greater than my body size and having the reach and the, the energy to sustain that making process is one of the challenges. So finally, what advice would you give to artists just starting out? Oh, put your runners on and go for it. Just keep going. And I think that's the advice that was always sort of drummed into us by many of our lecturers is, yeah, keep going, you know, keep going, keep exploring, keep pushing it. And I think also find a space where you can freely explore your ideas, really. Yeah. That's some great advice. So thanks for joining us today, Danika. And congratulations on being shortlisted as a finalist in the National Works on Paper. Thanks, Danny. Thanks for listening to episode 18 of our conversation series. Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery is the region's major cultural facility and is supported by Mornington Peninsula Shire and other partners. Visit mprg.mornpen.vic.gov.au to find out about our latest exhibitions and events. Our 2018 podcast program is supported by the Gordon Darling Foundation. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode.